I want to talk to you this morning about man-made religion. See, religion is a biblical thing. Religion is something that God formulated in his mind and his heart for us to have. And it's something that draws us closer to him. And it gives us the desire. Jesus said this, he said, come and sit at the table and sup with me, but gird thyself and serve me first. So let's go to 2 Timothy 3. And we'll start in uh, the first verse. It says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. And in verse 6 it says, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sin, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of truth, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. We got to remember this. Who was it that put Jesus Christ on the cross? It wasn't the ones that didn't want to have anything to do with God. It was the ones that had swerved sideways, had they in, in their heart, they might have originally had a desire to follow God, but they decided that they were going to be God. And they decided that they were going to be the ones that said what was good and what was evil, even if it was contrary to what the word of God said. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were supposed to be studiers of God's word. They should have known that Jesus was the Christ, but they had gotten so off track. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is man-made religion. And it was and it and it had gotten to the extreme that these are the people that put Christ on the cross. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning by the unction of the Holy Spirit? Do you understand what God is saying to you and saying to me today? He's given us a warning. And that warning is this that God's word is final authority. And the only one that needs to teach the Word of God is the Holy Spirit. Now, am I saying that a man can't teach you the Word of God? No, I'm not saying that at all. But that man needs to be full of the Holy Ghost. So it's the Holy Ghost that is our teacher that leads us into all truth. For He is the Spirit of truth. And the Holy Ghost should teach us the very heart of God. See, if you're... If you're Studying the Word of God just to get smart, just to have wisdom, just to be able to impress somebody with the, the Scripture that you know or the wisdom that you have in your mind, it's all about you. This is the altar bell. We've talked about this over and over. The altar bell is the God of self. we got to understand this, that God is trying to tear down. He's not trying to. He will tear down the altar bell. And if you are His then the altar of Baal will be torn, torn down in our lives. That's what the cross is all about. Tearing down this sin nature that's within us because that's what desires inside of you and inside of me. That's the part of us, this nature that should die at the cross of Calvary. But this nature that's inside of us, this sin nature, is what desires to be God. That's the seed that Satan planted in the Garden of Eden. And that's the purpose for the cross of Calvary. So we've got to allow God to tear down the altar of Baal inside of you and inside of me. And it was at the cross of Calvary. It is finished, my brother and my sister. It is finished. God has done all that needs to be done on his behalf. Now, Jesus is interceding on our behalf, and he's given us the Holy Spirit, a supernatural power and ability to love God with everything we've got. Jesus said, I sum up the commandments with these two. Love the Lord thy God with everything you've got and love others as you love yourself. That's an impossibility in the natural. You and I have not that ability, but by the Holy Ghost. So I just encourage you in this. Heed the warning as I am right now. Speaking through my own mouth, 
the Spirit of God. I heed the warning. Will you, will you t- allow God to tear down the altar of Baal today? And, and it's, a, it's progress. It's a process. It's a process that's ongoing for all the days that we'll be on this earth. But submit to God. Resist the devil. And see, the devil's not just the devil and all his demons, but it's also the seed of Satan that was planted inside of us. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Be encouraged, my brother and my sister, in the Lord. Good morning, my brother and sister. I've got a word this morning, and it's not a word that's a feel-good word. It's not something to tickle your ears, but it's a word I believe that the Lord has laid heavy on my heart this morning, that there are those who are in the church that are playing games with God. Now, this is a word of edification because edification is a word that shows people that they need to repent of things that are in their heart and points them to grace. So this is a word of edification, no matter what our flesh feels like, it sounds like. So I'm going to start right now in Acts chapter 5 and read Scripture. If Scripture is not in a message, then there's no power to change anything. If the Holy Spirit hasn't spoken the word to the messenger... And through the messenger, then there's no power to change anything. So let's go to the word. Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said... Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not in thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God." And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear come upon all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And young men came in and found her dead and carried her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. My brother and my sister, when we read the word of God, holy fear needs to come into our hearts. What has happened to the fear of God? What has happened to the fear of God's word? We should tremble at God's word. We should ask ourselves, why? Why has this happened? Why has the spirit of God, according to 2 Timothy 3.16 and 2 Peter 1.20, I'm going to continue to remind myself and you all of these two verses because it proves that the word of God was written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that everything that is included in the canon of scripture is for a reason that God intended to show us something. So what is it that God is trying to show us out of these verses? What I think about is I think about Isaiah in chapter six, whenever he was going through his life, 
pointing his fingers at everyone and saying, woe is you, woe is ye, woe is these people. And then he was brought into the uh, a vision of the presence of God and he fell on his face and he says, woe is me. He said, I seen the Lord. He was high and lifted up and the veil of his train filled the temple and he fell on his face and he didn't look at everyone else. He seen his true condition compared to the holiness of God. And he said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm amongst the people that are undone. And, and, and I think about Paul. Whenever Paul thought he was doing God a favor by going around persecuting Christians. And there was the day that he was on the road to Damascus. And, it, and a light shone and he fell. He was knocked off his high horse. That's the way I like to see it. I was one day. See, one day I was in the presence of God and I was knocked off my high horse. How about you? And whenever Paul was knocked off his high horse and God, and he seen a vision of the Lord and he was in the presence of the Lord, he repented from those things that he was doing in rebellion against God. There's many, many, many. See, I don't know these things because I know not man's heart, but God knows these things. There's many people that are in the church in the, in the congregation of the church of God that are in the midst of God's true people that are playing games with God. And we got to look at these things. We got to look at this verse that I just spoke to you. You know who you are. See, the thing about it is, is, is whenever God's word goes forth, it causes conviction in our heart according to the word of God. And then godly sorrow sets in. Not worldly sorrow. Not, oh, I've got caught now. I'm going to get in trouble. But no, I've done something against God. It breaks my heart because it breaks his heart. Godly sorrow sets in and causes repentance. Repentance isn't just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is seeing something in my heart and something in my mind and changing that thing that's in my heart and changing that thing that is in my mind and changing direction the direction of my life. See, sin is exceedingly sinful to God. It doesn't matter if it's not exceedingly sinful to you and I. It's exceedingly sinful to the judge of the universe. And, and when we see a, a vision of the holiness of God, whenever God reveals himself to the very essence of the core of his being, we see the holiness of God and we fear him. And we see our true condition that the sin nature that's inside of us that we were born with is exceedingly sinful. And we have to realize that there's only one solution to the problem. There's nothing you and I can do about it. There's nothing that we can do. There's, our goodness is as filthy rags. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, in me is no good thing at all. The, the word of God says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, desperately wicked, that the carnal mind is at enmity against God. So it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what's in our heart. It doesn't matter if we think that we're saved. All that matters is what the word of God says. Word, the word of God is absolutely true. It's final authority, no matter whether or not you decide or I decide to make it final authority in our lives, whether or not we make that decision. See, that's what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. It's that God's word wasn't final authority. And they decided to play a game with God. They decided that they were going to look like Christians, talk like Christians while they're at church at least. And they decided they were going to raise up their hands and praise God and all these things that some of us do. And then as soon as they walk out the door, they become like a chameleon and be as those that they're around. Is this you? I'm asking you this morning. My heart is not to condemn you. My heart is to lead you into the truth. God's heart is to lead you into the truth. Jesus said, I didn't come into this world to condemn this world, but to save the world. So, so the, Jesus is the word of God according to the book of John. John, first chapter, read it. Jesus is the word. And Jesus came into this world to, to show you and I the truth. He says, I'm the light of the world. Why is Jesus the light of the world? Because Jesus Christ is the walking, talking manifestation of the heart of Almighty God. 
Do you see that? Can you see this? Because it's really very simple, but the Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of God and indeed cannot receive the things of God because of the fact that our sin nature is Lord. So I speak right now, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, that the veil be taken from our eyes, that every hindrance and distraction be thou removed right now in the mighty name of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we have eyes to see right now. Jesus is the light of the world. See, if we need to know who God is, if we want to know who God is, then we go to his word. Remember, the Bible says Jesus is the Word. And it's the light. See, He is the light. He is the light that exposes the very heart of God, that allows you and I to see who God is. I love Jeremiah 33, 3. You're going to hear me say this like a broken record because I love this scripture. It means a lot to me. Call upon my name and I'll answer you and show you great, great and mighty things you know not of. So I asked the Holy Spirit, what is the greatest and mightiest thing that I could possibly know? And he said, my heart, Jay. It's my heart. The greatest and mightiest thing in the whole universe that you could possibly know is the heart of Almighty God. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He's the one that reveals the heart of God. And Jesus is the Word. If you don't have a love for the Word of God, if you don't have a, a desire to be in the presence of God, if you don't have a desire, it doesn't matter what the cost to be transformed into the image of Christ. It doesn't matter what the, cro- the cost is. The Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith creates patience. James 1, Romans 5 says, tribulation produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. For the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So all these trials and tribulations that we go through, do we allow them to do the work in our heart to transform us into the image of God? Have you decided that you're going to take, you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to transform that lifestyle of sin into a lifestyle of repentance? See, repentance isn't a one-time thing. Repentance is a daily thing. I'm going to read a scripture to you and I'm going to sew this all up right here because we need to hear about the grace of God. Because if this is you, if this is you, if this is me, then we need to fall on our face before Almighty God and repent. Truly pour our heart out to God and say, look, you see what's in me. I see what's in me. I see the true uh, uh, sinfulness of my true condition that I've been born with the sin nature and it needs to be dealt with. I need to be born again. 1 John 1, 1 starting in, the, in verse 5. This then that is, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness of all, at all. That means that God has exposed himself totally to us as far as it con, is concerns salvation. And in him is no darkness at all. He's not withholding anything. He's poured his heart out through his word. And his Holy Spirit will illuminate the word to the point to where it's not just a book that you're reading and words in a book. It's God speaking to you and speaking to me and reveal his very heart. So he says, and God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him. Now listen to this. I need you to go get your Bible. I need you to turn to 1 John 1, first chapter, and read verse 6, especially and thereafter. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie. This is not me speaking. This is the Word of God. I'm going to read it again. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar 
And his word is not in us. That's beautiful. It's beautiful to me. This is grace. See, your flesh won't like hearing what I just read. But that's the whole point of the cross of Calvary. Our flesh, our sin nature has to crawl up on that cross. We've got to make a decision. We've got to draw a line in the sand. We've got to go to the, to the garden of decision. The first Adam went to the garden of decision and, de- and, and decided he wanted to be God himself. How about you? The second Adam went to the garden of decision, drew a line in the sand and said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He decided to let God be God, not Baal, not God of self. Let God be God. Today is the day of decision. The, the, God has given us a reprieve right now. There's a short window of grace. There's a short window of grace. It's time to decide if Baal be Baal, if God of self be God, then serve him. If God, almighty Jehovah God be God, then serve him. Choose this day whom you'll serve in Jesus' name, but choose life. Good morning, my brother and sister. I've got a word this morning, and it's not a word that's a feel-good word. It's not something to tickle your ears, but it's a word I believe that the Lord has laid heavy on my heart this morning, that there are those who are in the church that are playing games with God. Now, this is a word of edification because edification is a word that shows people that they need to repent of things that are in their heart and points them to grace. So this is a word of edification, no matter what our flesh feels like, it sounds like. So I'm going to start right now in Acts chapter 5 and read Scripture. If Scripture is not in a message, then there's no power to change anything. If the Holy Spirit hasn't spoken the word to the messenger and through the messenger, then there's no power to change anything. So let's go to the word. Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept kept back part of the price. His wife also, being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not in thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear come upon all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost And young men came in and found her dead and carried her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. My brother and my sister, when we read the word of God, holy fear needs to come into our hearts. What has happened to the fear of God? What has happened to the fear of God's word? We should tremble at God's word. We should ask ourselves, why? Why has this happened? Why has the spirit of God, according to 2 Timothy 3.16 and 2 Peter 1.20, I'm going to continue to remind myself and 
you all of these two verses because it proves that the Word of God was written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that everything that is included in the canon of Scripture is for a reason that God intended to show us something. So what is it that God is trying to show us out of these verses? What I think about is I think about Isaiah in chapter 6 whenever he was going through his life pointing his fingers at everyone and saying, woe is you, woe is ye, woe is these people. And then he was brought into the, uh, a vision of the presence of God and he fell on his face and he says, woe is me. He said, I seen the Lord. He was high and lifted up and the veil of his train filled the temple and he fell on his face and he didn't look at everyone else. He seen his true condition compared to the holiness of God. And he said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm amongst the people that are undone. And, and, and I think about Paul. Whenever Paul thought he was doing God a favor by going around persecuting Christians. And there was the day that he was on the road to Damascus. And, it, and a light shone and he fell. He was knocked off his high horse. That's the way I like to see it. I was one day. See, one day I was in the presence of God and I was knocked off my high horse. How about you? And whenever Paul was knocked off his high horse and God, and he seen a vision of the Lord and he was in the presence of the Lord, he repented from those things that he was doing in rebellion against God. There's many, many, many. See, I don't know these things because I know not man's heart, but God knows these things. There's many people that are in the church in the, in the congregation of the church of God that are in the midst of God's true people that are playing games with God. And we got to look at these things. We got to look at this verse that I just spoke to you. You know who you are. See, the thing about it is, is, is whenever God's word goes forth, it causes conviction in our heart according to the word of God. And then godly sorrow sets in. Not worldly sorrow. Not, oh, I've got caught now. I'm going to get in trouble. But no, I've done something against God. It breaks my heart because it breaks his heart. Godly sorrow sets in and causes repentance. Repentance isn't just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is seeing something in my heart and something in my mind and changing that thing that's in my heart and changing that thing that is in my mind and changing direction, the direction of my life. See, sin is exceedingly sinful to God. It doesn't matter if it's not exceedingly sinful to you and I. It's exceedingly sinful to the judge of the universe. And, and when we see a, a vision of the holiness of God, whenever God reveals himself to the very essence of the core of his being, we see the holiness of God and we fear him. And we see our true condition that the sin nature that's inside of us that we were born with is exceedingly sinful. And we have to realize that there's only one solution to the problem. There's nothing you and I can do about it. There's nothing that we can do. There's, our goodness is as filthy rags. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, In me is no good thing at all. The, the Word of God says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, desperately wicked, that the carnal mind is at enmity against God. So it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what's in our heart. It doesn't matter if we think that we're saved. All that matters is what the Word of God says. Word, the Word of God is absolutely true. It's final authority. No matter whether or not you decide or I decide to make it final authority in our lives, whether or not we make that decision. See, that's what happened with Adonis and Sapphira. It's that God's Word wasn't final authority. And they decided to play a game with God. They decided that they were going to look like Christians, talk like Christians while they're at church at least, and they decided they were going to raise up their hands and praise God and all these things that some of us do. And then as soon as they walk out the door, they become like a chameleon and be as those that they're around. Is this you? I'm asking you this morning. My heart is not to condemn you. My heart is to lead you into the truth. God's heart is to lead you into the truth. Jesus said, I didn't come into this world to condemn this world, but to save the world.
So, so the, Jesus is the Word of God according to the book of John. John, first chapter, read it. Jesus is the Word. And Jesus came into this world to, to show you and I the truth. He says, I'm the light of the world. Why is Jesus the light of the world? Because Jesus Christ is the walking, talking manifestation of the heart of Almighty God. Do you see that? Can you see this? Because it's really very simple, but the Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of God and indeed cannot receive the things of God because of the fact that our sin nature is Lord. So I speak right now, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, that the veil be taken from our eyes, that every hindrance and distraction be thou removed right now in the mighty name of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we have eyes to see right now. Jesus is the light of the world. See, if we need to know who God is, if we want to know who God is, then we go to his word. Remember, the Bible says Jesus is the Word. And it's the light. See, He is the light. He is the light that exposes the very heart of God, that allows you and I to see who God is. I love Jeremiah 33, 3. You're going to hear me say this like a broken record because I love this scripture. It means a lot to me. Call upon my name and I'll answer you and show you great, great and mighty things you know not of. So I asked the Holy Spirit, what is the greatest and mightiest thing that I could possibly know? And he said, my heart, Jay. It's my heart. The greatest and mightiest thing in the whole universe that you could possibly know is the heart of Almighty God. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He's the one that reveals the heart of God. And Jesus is the Word. If you don't have a love for the Word of God, if you don't have a, a desire to be in the presence of God, if you don't have a desire, it doesn't matter what the cost to be transformed into the image of Christ. It doesn't matter what the cost is. The Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith creates patience. James 1, Romans 5 says, tribulation produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. For the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So all these trials and tribulations that we go through, do we allow them to do the work in our heart to transform us into the image of God? Have you decided that you're going to take, you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to transform that lifestyle of sin into a lifestyle of repentance? See, repentance isn't a one-time thing. Repentance is a daily thing. I'm going to read a scripture to you and I'm going to sew this all up right here because we need to hear about the grace of God. Because if this is you, if this is you, if this is me, then we need to fall on our face before Almighty God and repent. Truly pour our heart out to God and say, look, you see what's in me. I see what's in me. I see the true uh, uh, sinfulness of my true condition that I've been born with the sin nature and it needs to be dealt with. I need to be born again. 1 John 1, 1 starting in, the, in verse 5. This then that is, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness of all, at all. That means that God has exposed himself totally to us as far as it con as concerns salvation. And in him is no darkness at all. He's not withholding anything. He's poured his heart out through his word. And his Holy Spirit will illuminate the word to the point to where it's not just a book that you're reading and words in a book. It's God speaking to you and speaking to me and reveal his very heart. So he says, and God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him. Now listen to this. I need you to go get your Bible. I need you to turn to 1 John 1, first chapter, and read verse 6, especially and thereafter. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie. This is not me speaking. This is the Word of God. I'm going to read it again. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. 
If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's beautiful. It's beautiful to me. This is grace. See, your flesh won't like hearing what I just read, but that's the whole point of the cross of Calvary. Our flesh, our sin nature has to crawl up on that cross. We've got to make a decision. We've got to draw a line in the sand. We've got to go to the, to the garden of decision. The first Adam went to the garden of decision and, de- and, and decided he wanted to be God himself. How about you? The second Adam went to the garden of decision, drew a line in the sand and said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He decided to let God be God, not Baal, not God of self. Let God be God. Today is the day of decision. The, the, God has given us a reprieve right now. There's a short window of grace. There's a short window of grace. It's time to decide if Baal be Baal, if God of self be God, then serve him. If God, almighty Jehovah God be God, then serve him. Choose this day whom you'll serve in Jesus' name, but choose life. Good morning, my brother and sister. I've got a word this morning, and it's not a word that's a feel-good word. It's not something to tickle your ears, but it's a word I believe that the Lord has laid heavy on my heart this morning, that there are those who are in the church that are playing games with God. Now, this is a word of edification because edification is a word that shows people that they need to repent of things that are in their heart and points them to grace. So this is a word of edification, no matter what our flesh feels like, it sounds like. So I'm going to start right now in Acts chapter 5 and read Scripture. If Scripture is not in a message, then there's no power to change anything. If the Holy Spirit hasn't spoken the word to the messenger... And through the messenger, then there's no power to change anything. So let's go to the word. Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said... Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not in thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God." And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear come upon all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And young men came in and found her dead and carried her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. My brother and my sister, when we read the word of God, 
Holy fear needs to come into our hearts. What has happened to the fear of God? What has happened to the fear of God's word? We should tremble at God's word. We should ask ourselves, why? Why has this happened? Why has the Spirit of God, according to 2 Timothy 3.16 and 2 Peter 1.20, I'm going to continue to remind myself and you all of these two verses because it proves that the Word of God was written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that everything that is included in the canon of Scripture is for a reason that God intended to show us something. So what is it that God is trying to show us out of these verses What I think about is I think about Isaiah in chapter 6, whenever he was going through his life, pointing his fingers at everyone and saying, woe is you, woe is ye, woe is these people. And then he was brought into uh, a vision of the presence of God and he fell on his face and he says, woe is me. He said, I seen the Lord. He was high and lifted up and the veil of his train filled the temple. And he fell on his face and he didn't look at everyone else. He seen his true condition compared to the holiness of God. And he said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm amongst the people that are undone. And, and, and I think about Paul. Whenever Paul thought he was doing God a favor by going around persecuting Christians. And there was the day that he was on the road to Damascus. And, it, and a light shone and he fell. He was knocked off his high horse. That's the way I like to see it. I was one day, see, one day I was in the presence of God and I was knocked off my high horse. How about you? And whenever Paul was knocked off his high horse and God, and he seen a vision of the Lord and he was in the presence of the Lord, he repented from those things that he was doing in rebellion against God. There's many Many, many. See, I don't know these things because I know not man's heart, but God knows these things. There's many people that are in the church, in the, in the congregation of the church of God, that are in the midst of God's true people that are playing games with God. And we got to look at these things. We got to look at this verse that I just spoke to you. You know who you are. See, the thing about it is, is, is whenever God's word goes forth, it causes conviction in our heart according to the word of God. And then godly sorrow sets in. Not worldly sorrow, not, oh, I've got caught now, I'm going to get in trouble. But no, I've done something against God. It breaks my heart because it breaks his heart. Godly sorrow sets in and causes repentance. Repentance isn't just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is seeing something in my heart and something in my mind and changing that thing that's in my heart and changing that thing that is in my mind and changing direction, the direction of my life. See, sin is exceedingly sinful to God. It doesn't matter if it's not exceedingly sinful to you and I. It's exceedingly sinful to the judge of the universe. And, and when we see a, a vision of the holiness of God, whenever God reveals himself to the very essence of the core of his being, we see the holiness of God and we fear him. And we see our true condition that the sin nature that's inside of us that we were born with is exceedingly sinful. And we have to realize that there's only one solution to the problem. There's nothing you and I can do about it. There's nothing that we can do. There's our goodness is as filthy rags. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, in me is no good thing at all. The the word of God says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, desperately wicked, that the carnal mind is at enmity against God. So it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what's in our heart. It doesn't matter if we think that we're saved. All that matters is what the word of God says. The Word of God is absolutely true. It's final authority. No matter whether or not you decide or I decide to make it final authority in our lives, whether or not we make that decision. See, that's what happened with Adonis and Sapphira. It's that God's Word wasn't final authority. And they decided to play a game with God. They decided that they were going to look like Christians, talk like Christians while they're at church at least, 
And they decided they were going to raise up their hands and praise God and all these things that some of us do. And then as soon as they walk out the door, they become like a chameleon and be as those that they're around. Is this you? I'm asking you this morning. My heart is not to condemn you. My heart is to lead you into the truth. God's heart is to lead you into the truth. Jesus said, I didn't come into this world to condemn this world, but to save the world. So, so the, Jesus is the word of God according to the book of John. John, first chapter, read it. Jesus is the word. And Jesus came into this world to, to show you and I the truth. He says, I'm the light of the world. Why is Jesus the light of the world? Because Jesus Christ is the walking, talking manifestation of the heart of Almighty God. Do you see that? Can you see this? Because it's really very simple, but the Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of God and indeed cannot receive the things of God because of the fact that our sin nature is Lord. So I speak right now, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, that the veil be taken from our eyes, that every hindrance and distraction be thou removed right now in the mighty name of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we have eyes to see right now. Jesus is the light of the world. See, if we need to know who God is, if we want to know who God is, then we go to his word. Remember, the Bible says Jesus is the Word. And it's the light. See, He is the light. He is the light that exposes the very heart of God, that allows you and I to see who God is. I love Jeremiah 33, 3. You're going to hear me say this like a broken record because I love this scripture. It means a lot to me. Call upon my name and I'll answer you and show you great, great and mighty things you know not of. So I asked the Holy Spirit, what is the greatest and mightiest thing that I could possibly know? And he said, my heart, Jay. It's my heart. The greatest and mightiest thing in the whole universe that you could possibly know is the heart of Almighty God. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He's the one that reveals the heart of God. And Jesus is the Word. If you don't have a love for the Word of God, if you don't have a, a desire to be in the presence of God, if you don't have a desire, it doesn't matter what the cost to be transformed into the image of Christ. It doesn't matter what the cost is. The Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith creates patience. James 1, Romans 5 says, tribulation produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. For the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So all these trials and tribulations that we go through, do we allow them to do the work in our heart to transform us into the image of God? Have you decided that you're going to take, you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to transform that lifestyle of sin into a lifestyle of repentance? See, repentance isn't a one-time thing. Repentance is a daily thing. I'm going to read a scripture to you and I'm going to sew this all up right here because we need to hear about the grace of God. Because if this is you, if this is you, if this is me, then we need to fall on our face before Almighty God and repent. Truly pour our heart out to God and say, look, you see what's in me. I see what's in me. I see the true uh, uh, sinfulness of my true condition. That I've been born with the sin nature and it needs to be dealt with. I need to be born again. 1 John 1, 1 starting in, the, in verse 5. This then that is, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness of all, at all. That means that God has exposed himself totally to us as far as it con, as concerns salvation. And in him is no darkness at all. He's not withholding anything. He's poured his heart out through his word. And his Holy Spirit will illuminate the word to the point to where it's not just a book that you're reading and words in a book. It's God speaking to you and speaking to me and reveal his very heart. 
So he says, and God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, now listen to this. I need you to go get your Bible. I need you to turn to 1 John 1, first chapter, and read verse 6, especially and thereafter. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. This is not me speaking. This is the word of God. I'm going to read it again. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's beautiful. It's beautiful to me. This is grace. See, your flesh won't like hearing what I just read, but that's the whole point of the cross of Calvary. Our flesh, our sin nature has to crawl up on that cross. We've got to make a decision. We've got to draw a line in the sand. We've got to go to the, to the garden of decision. The first Adam went to the garden of decision and, de and, and decided he wanted to be God himself. How about you? The second Adam went to the garden of decision, drew a line in the sand and said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He decided to let God be God. Not Baal, not God of self. Let God be God. Today is the day of decision. The, the, God has given us a reprieve right now. There's a short window of grace. There's a short window of grace. It's time to decide if Baal be Baal, if God of self be God, then serve him. If God, almighty Jehovah God be God, then serve him. Choose this day whom you'll serve in Jesus' name, but choose life.